welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week, we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson. Oh, Ladies. And gentlemen, goalies from around the world, welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Damon Wilson, and on this show, it is my job to track down the best goalies, coaches, trainers, special guests in the sport, pick their brain, and see how we can become better lacrosse goalies. That's what we're trying to do around here, become better lacrosse goalies. And one of the most common requests we get is more female goalies, more female content and that is exactly what we're doing with this episode is lauren safori aka lady lax goalies who specializes in helping out the girls in goal she's got 15 years of experience training players coaches at the youth middle school high school club levels all levels philadelphia native first picked up the stick at age eight she ended up being a four-year varsity starter before playing collegiate D1 ball for Temple University. During her career as a Temple Owl, she won an A-10 championship, made the NCAA playoffs, and after college, she moved up to Northern Virginia and served as a career firefighter with the Fairfax County Fire Department, something we touch on in this show. She recently ran a virtual event featuring nothing but female lacrosse goalies, and we talked quite a bit about that during this conversation. Our events actually overlapped a little bit, which was such a bummer, uh, so we promise that will not happen again. <laughs> Anyways, Lauren brings a ton of energy and passion to the position, and I really think you're going to love this episode. Please enjoy this chat with Lauren Safori from Lady Lax Goalies. Before we get started with this conversation with Lauren, I want to read a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by me, Lax Goalie Rat. What? Lax Goalie Rat sponsors the Lax Goldie Rat podcast? That is right. We do not have any other sponsors yet, hopefully one day. So I am sponsoring this podcast, and people ask me, you know, if you're just listening to this, where should I go? How should I get involved? There's so much content out there. Uh, my recommendation is just go to laxgoldyrat.com and get on the email list. I'll send you a lacrosse goalie toolkit that I put together that has a lot of PDFs, a lot of different tools that you can check out. And then I'll also send you an automated uh, email series that has a bunch of tips and tricks and, and things that you can use to get better. So go to laxgoldyrat.com, get on the email list. That's laxgoldyrat.com. Dot com. Please enjoy this episode with Lauren. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. I am here with the next guest on the Lax Goalie Rap podcast. It's Lauren Safori. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Damon? I'm doing really well. Really excited to have you on. Um, you may know her as Lady Lax Goalies. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but the question I ask all goalies, the very first question is you, do you remember that very first time that you jumped into goal? 
Uh, I don't remember like being in the physical goal, but I remember volunteering to get in the goal. <laughs> I don't know to this day really what drove me to do it. Uh, I was a MIDI at the time and had been a MIDI for four or five years, although I'm pretty old, so it wasn't called that back in those days and stuff. But, um, you know, we didn't have a goalie on my seventh grade youth team. So they asked who wanted to volunteer and I figured, hey, why not? And jumped in. I remember it being a lot uh, more fun than I think I thought it was going to be though. <laughs> so. Mm. so you, you, we were talking a little bit earlier, you got started a little bit late in the goal um, in, in terms of your goalie career. So was that at uh, seventh grade that was that when you became like a, a full-time goalie? No. So seventh grade was just kind of when I was trying it out a little bit, I uh, would rotate between being on the field and in the cage, which is obviously not uncommon for youth goalies. And then over the summer, it was actually kind of a fluke that I became a full-time goalie because over the summer I had been um, registered to try out for the youth national festival. It's this old thing that us lax used to do back in the day. And I went to try out as uh, I was going to do midi and goalie, but I have this uh, history of getting motion sick and I had to drive quite a while to the tryout. And by the time I got there, I was pretty car sick and I had gotten sick along the way and I was too sick to try out as a midi. So I tried out as a goalie and I actually made the team uh, this regional tryout. I made the team and I was, really pumped about it. And that was actually that pivotal moment in my journey that kind of pushed me full-time into the cage. So eighth grade was my first full-time year as a goalie uh, after playing in that tournament in the summer as a, as a goalie. That's an awesome story. And as somebody who um, gets really motion sick, I can really sympathize with you. That, that was not what started my lacrosse goalie career, but I, I really sympathize with you because I get motion <laughs> sick like nobody's business. I guess it was like the, the best worst thing to happen that day. <laughs> there you go. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Everything happens for a reason. Exactly. Um, so you jump into goal. You've got, you've got no goalie coach, right? Cool. I mean, how did you go about learning? Like, how do I make saves? You know, honestly, I thank my lucky stars that I was just kind of a natural at it. I, I have this theory that there are, you know, amazing goalies hidden amongst the ranks of the field players that don't even know that that's their niche because they never think to jump in the cage and try it out. And, you know, by this fluke of fate, you know, I decided to get into the cage and it was luckily just a niche for me. Uh, I'm pretty aggressive and athletic to begin with, and I have no regard for my own safety. I'm a snowboarder and I was a firefighter and stuff. So, you know, I'm not really scared of anything. So I think that it was just kind of this perfect storm that came together to allow me to be able to kind of finagle my way through the position without any training. Again, that wasn't a, a very fun experience to not have any training, but mm. I think those um, personality traits made it so that I could kind of make it through that way anyway. So I just, you know, back then there wasn't really like, there was no YouTube, the internet was still dial up, yeah. you know, so there wasn't really any way to learn. So there wasn't any clinics, uh, clinics I could really go to and stuff. Club wasn't really a thing uh, in my area where I was at. So I just kind of got in there and someone told me to just, you know, step to the ball. And I just felt like, all right, well, I'll just throw myself in front of the ball and do my best. And, you know, over time, I just started adjusting to the level and the speed. And I just kind of tried to do my best from there. I think having a MIDI background definitely helped me uh, in general as well with just, 
you know, ball handling, stick skills and being out of the cage, which was not really a thing back then. You know, now we kind of expect our goalies to be out of the cage. But back then that was a little um, unusual to have a goalie so active out of the cage. But as a midi, you know, that really helped me become a really strong out of cage goalie, which I really loved doing as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I started as a midi as well. And I feel like just, you know, the stick skills and the things that you learn as a midi, you know, are tremendously beneficial for, you know, when you move into goal. Uh, the other thing I like that you said there is, um, you know, your sense of fearlessness, um, you know, your natural sense of fearlessness. And a lot of times people ask me, or there's a conversation like, well, what should I look for in a goalie on a youth team? If you have to pick a goalie on a youth team, what are some attributes that I should look for? And a lot of times we say, you know, quick feet, quick hands, but a sense of fearlessness is a huge one because that is very, very hard to teach. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I think that, you know, coaching fear out of goalies is really challenging thing. So when you can look for kids that, you know, have less regard for their physical safety and well-being. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I always say goalies have like a screw or two loose. Like those those goalies are a lot easier to work with because you're not trying to fight that fear and that natural instinct as much to protect. And they're a lot more likely to be aggressive off the bat, which I think is really a, a good skill to have in the goal. I, I totally agree. It took me a while to learn that. I mean, the first, you know, couple weeks of practice, people are shooting on me and I'm like, ah. <laughs> You know, um, I don't know. Did you wear a lot of pads when you were, um, when you first started out or what was your equipment like? If I told you, you would, you would be, (laughs) you would think I'm insane. So back when I played shin guards were not required. So right off the bat, I I wore shin guards in middle school, but uh, for that eighth grade year, but by high school, I had ripped them off. Uh, You know, I loved, like I said, being an out of cage goalie. I didn't want anything slowing me down. I did Mm -hmm. reintroduce them by college when my coach made it quite a point that I would be wearing them after I got nailed uh, one too many times in a single practice in the shins. Um, But actually, you know, I didn't come from a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of gear. I don't even know how I acquired it now that when I think back, but actually for a certain period of time, I didn't even have goalie gloves. I actually played with field player gloves. Um, until I got to a team where the, the travel coach had said, you know, well, I'm not going to play you if you don't get gloves. And I'm like, well, I don't have gloves. So eventually I had to, to get gloves, but I wore pretty much your bare minimum, just your helmet, gloves, chest protector, pants. And that was it. And again, for a while there, I wasn't even wearing real, (laughs) real gloves. And when I did get gloves, they just were handed over, I think by the rec program, they didn't even have wrist cuffs. They were literally just the hand portion. So Mm -hmm. I was getting, I was taking quite a few hits all the time to my body, uh, which was always a fun competition to see how many new bruises I could acquire each week after practice. Yeah, it is. It's a mark of goalie pride. Um, it's funny. I, I recently like asked for some photos of goalie bruises and some of the pictures that people are sending me are just brutal, brutal. I mean, they, they give their, they give their bruises nicknames and, and all this stuff. So I'm sure you can sympathize with that. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So if you were not, you know, if, if being scared of the ball is kind of one of the main things that pe- that young goalies have to deal with, if that was not you, was there like a, um, what was the main sticking point or kind of the main, I don't know, main thing that you wanted to work on when you were learning the position? 
Um, oh my gosh, I probably would have just loved to have worked on anything. Uh, again, I was so desperate and craving like direction <clears throat> and stuff like that. I think now looking back, the biggest thing I wish that I could have learned was really like the mental side of the game. Mm. I felt, I feel like without the resources to kind of handle that mental side of the game, that was really challenging, you know? Um, and, you know, I always say you can't dig your way out of a hole. You know, I would just be looking for a, a, a bigger shovel usually. So when I started to spiral out uh, during some of those games where you're really struggling to perform well, because, you know, we have those games where we're just off. Uh, I found it really challenging to come back from them. I had a few techniques where I would just, you know, say to myself, like, watch ball, watch ball, or step, step, step. Like, I would just try to remind myself of the things to do, but it was really hard for me to kind of rein myself back in, in those tougher games without the appropriate resources. I would love to have been able to work on that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, actually and then clearing uh with a pocket so if you were to if i were to ever show you the stick i used even through college at temple university it would be appalling it's like a tennis racket because i never i could clear really consistently accurately and really far with it but i would eat a ton of rebounds which back then the game was not as fast so i mean i could kind of get away with it you would definitely not be able to do that these days um I would love to have learned how to clear with a pocket back then. So maybe I didn't have to eat so many rebounds, <laughs> but I had no one to string my stick. And again, no, no one to tell me what was right or wrong or what I should, even the questions I should be asking. So, you know, I kind of just went along with it and just tried to do my best along the way. Yeah. It's funny to, to look back at some of that equipment uh, that we, I have a old STX Eclipse too, which I didn't string, but it's just like the pocket is just horrible. And then I got the new one and now I'm like, man, this thing is a beauty. So <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, so then you mentioned, then you go to Temple University to play. Did you go there to play or did you go there? Like, did you just get in and then, and then or what's the story there? No, so I did go to play. I had kind of like a guaranteed walk-on slot. So I wasn't, I didn't get any money, but they did say I could come and play. Um, back then, you know, coaches would just like randomly meet you at tournaments and come up and talk to you. The rules were so different back then. But I mm -hmm. got, um, I committed to Temple pretty late. Uh, there was, I didn't really have anybody that could educate me or my family on the recruiting process, which, you know, back then it didn't, I didn't know any better, but looking now at the process and how supportive uh, coaches can be, it's really a beautiful thing to see how far we've come in that. So I was just kind of at a tournament and one of my teammates wanted to talk to the temple coach at the time. And so we, she was too scared to go talk to her by herself. So I had went over and I had already had a high school teammate that was playing there. And a couple of my club teammates were looking to play there as well. Cause I'm from the Philly area. So that's a pretty big school to look at. And, um, when we were done the day, she she offered me a spot there. She said she didn't have any money, but that I could come and play there. So of course I jumped at the opportunity to, to go. And it was a really exciting experience at the time because um, I think there was four of my club teammates and I all went together as freshmen. So it was kind of like a pack of us. Yeah. Um, I think it was like, and then one of them was already there as a sophomore. And then I had a high school player there as a junior when I was a freshman. So it was a really unique experience to get to go to Temple as a freshman and actually know about half the girls already. You know? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. What is your advice to uh, young girls who are who want to, who want to play in college now in terms of the um, in terms of the recruiting process? Uh, you know, I think just 
being really open-minded to what you want. I think sometimes we think we know what we want and we don't realize all the time that maybe that's not the best fit for us. Um, you know, I think there's a school for everybody, but I think sometimes we don't always have an open mind to look past what we think we want to do. Um, you know, playing D1 was a really amazing experience, but when I think back now as a coach, I wonder if I would have had a better experience playing at, you know, maybe a more competitive D3 or something like that, you know, to make sure that I could balance both school and lacrosse. So I think it's really good to listen to your coaches and the people that are, trying to guide you and maybe they're putting options on your plate that you don't you maybe you haven't thought of yet but they kind of see mm -hmm. things from a little bit of an unbiased perspective and I think it's important to take that into consideration and really make sure that you go into your choices with balancing the school as well as the sport because you know especially at the end of the day if it doesn't work out in the sport or you get injured and you can't play anymore, you still want to be able to have a really positive experience at the school. You want to make sure that they're academically sound for what you're looking to do post-collegiately. So I think balancing those things and, and having an open mind is really critical these days in the recruiting process. It's great advice. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I, I have a friend who went and played at a D2 program, like a small Midwest school. And he's from, Cal he's from the Bay Area, from California. And then he got hurt and he couldn't play anymore. And he like hated it because <laughs> he, he yeah. just went there to play lacrosse, you know? And, and so like the academics, like just being at that really small school was not for him. Being in the Midwest was a little bit different. So um, I think that's great advice, what, what you talk about there. And the coaching dynamic is important too in team culture because, you know, if you don't blend with a certain style of coaching and that's kind of who's there, I definitely mm. think those are really important things to look at as well. Because even if you are having a great experience at the school and you're really pumped about playing the sport and you can stay healthy, sometimes that team culture or that coaching dynamic can make uh, it a lot less of a fun experience if it's not really if you don't gel with it. So that's definitely something important to look at as well. Very important. Very important. Yeah. Some coaches are very um, strict authoritarian, like they'll push you really hard and some people really thrive in that environment and they love it. Right. And other people they are like, well, you know, why is he yelling at me? Like, I don't want to, this exactly. is not, not my style. So yeah, I think finding that, um, you know, it's, it's like, am I right for that program? Is that program right for me? So it's two, yeah. you know, two sides of the story there. Awesome. Um, what's your favorite part about being a lacrosse goalie? <laughs> I love being a disruptor. So I'm 5'2". I grew up in a firehouse around nothing but boys. So I have quite a little Napoleon complex <laughs> and love feeding that Napoleon complex ego. And I feel like as a goalie, <laughs> you can really feed that by being a disruptor. And I think that's why I loved being an out-of-cage goalie so much. I love you know, getting those turnover, like getting those interceptions and picking up those ground balls and, you know, stopping those key saves and just really, you know, frustrating the offense of your opposing team. Uh, I was commonly told I was too small to be a goalie and I thrive in an environment where I get to kind of prove people wrong. So I feel like the goal just gave me such a great outlet for all of those things. Uh, you know, and I would just get so pumped up every time I knew I was, you know, disrupting or just aggravating a field player, it would just keep elevating my game even more, even more. So mm -hmm. 
that's probably my most favorite thing about being it. Again, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So that adrenaline rush that you get um, when you get to be a disruptor and make those big plays and be that, you know, star mm-hmm. that I, I feed off of that. So I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, as a shorter goalie five, two, did you, I imagine you weren't like in a kind of a deep squat that you see some of the ladies and, and men kind of set up in like kind of, you know, squatting down, were you more in an upright stance with the hands a little higher or what was kind of your style of, of goalie play? Yeah. So I definitely wasn't like super low, uh, in a stance. I definitely know what you're talking about. There are some goalies that like to play in like a really deep stance at five, two, even at like a more of a neutral stance, more vertical. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still not that hard for a tall attacker to dunk over my head. <laughs> I had a little bit of problems with that and stuff. I'm sure I know you you're on the shorter side, so I know you feel me on that. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, I think my hands were about average, like, um, you know, Scotty Rogers talks about that eye thumb. So I was pretty much in that range with my stick. I didn't play any higher uh, than that, but I definitely wasn't down in a low squat, just like mm-hmm. just slightly squatted so I could be balanced and, you know, agile moving to the ball. But I had to take up that top space because <laughs> that was pretty hard to defend sometimes. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I am. Yeah. I'm five, eight. So like, I definitely could not get down in the squat either. Um, cause I needed to be, take up as much space and like, you know, be able to get back to the top, um, short goalies for the win, short exactly. goalies for the win. Um, so, so you get to temple and is that at that point, do you start to get some like specific goalie coaching or, or how did that work out? Um, there was a coach there that would work with the goalies, but at that point, uh, you know, there was a, a junior already starting. I had a sophomore ahead of me. So, you know, you're not getting a ton of time. You know, they would pull me out and you would do some drills like on the sidelines while you were waiting for your time in the cage. But it still wasn't um, it was more like coordination based, like working on coordination and footwork and stuff. It still wasn't like anybody there telling me, hey, you know, try to do this or do that. I still had my tennis racket stick that, you know, I was playing with. No one, no one taught me still even at that level how to to clear with it. Maybe because I was the freshman and right, like you're trying to earn your your spot to get more attention at the college yeah. level and stuff. So even there, I still found it really difficult to kind of receive the training that um, I really wanted. But as a coach now, I think like that's really not even the level to be learning all that stuff, right? You really want to set these goalies up to know, you know, have a good foundation before they get to college. So at that point, you can just, you know, adjust and tweak and really take them to the next level and stuff like that. So maybe to learn the basics. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you know, in my story, I did, I learned how to play goalie at college. So like, you know, it's not to say you can't learn things at that level, but you're right. Typically, like when you get to college, it's the coaches there. It's more about kind of like tinkering with the, with the thing. Or did you, did you know, in this type of play, you're actually dropping your hands and you're like, Oh, like I had no idea. So then like, let's work on that particular play over and over, or, you know, just little, little things here and there. Um, But I think we share a similar philosophy in that, like, in coaching and, and, and goalie play and that like, we want to kind of learn as much as we can and kind of see what works for our game and kind of dismiss what doesn't. Is that also your, your style when, when you, when you coach? Yeah, I definitely, I, I take a lot of, t- 
time to try to uh, engage and learn about different styles because as you know there's like a million ways to be a goalie and every goalie is a little bit different and I think it's really important to figure out what works for each goalie that you coach which can be really taxing as a coach if you have a lot of goalies but if you really want them to reach their full potential I think it's really important to be flexible with your concept and ideas and stuff, you know, you see some coaches that they want every goalie to be exactly the same way and do exactly the same thing and have exactly the same form. But at the end of the day, I really don't think that that is the best thing because goalies, again, they're so different in how they want to play and what's good for one goalie might not be the best for another goalie. And I think it's really important to you know, really learn a lot of different concepts. So if something, you know, like I definitely have what I teach first and I'll say, Hey, this is what I like to teach. Or this is what I prefer to see, but here's another way that I see other goalies doing it or, you know, whatever, but I have, you know, this mindset that like, if it's not broke, don't fix it either. So if, you know, even if I don't like that style, if it's working for them, not just now, but I always say like, if it works now and it will also work at the highest level, then don't bother fixing it. Now, if it's going to work now, but it's not going to work at the highest level, then, okay, we need to maybe revisit that and find something that can work on, you know, currently and in the future. Cause I see that a lot with rec or youth programs where, you know, some skills, they might work on those lower levels, but as they get into high school and the, the sport starts picking up those skills or those habits, they don't cut it in the higher level. So, but if it, if it works all the time, then I don't really think that it's worth fixing just because you want to see it look a different way. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah. That's a very good point um, that you just brought up there is that, you know, sometimes, you know, when, when you have a goalie who's super athletic, right. They're just a freak athlete and they're really good and they make a lot of saves and it's like, well, my save percentage is something absurd. 70%, right. I'm doing, I'm doing awesome. But you, you look at the tape and, you know, they, there's a shot and they kind of do a false step. They step the wrong way and then, they, and then they step the right way and make the save. And yeah, you're making the save. But like, like you said, will that work at the next level? No, it will not. Like if there's 15, exactly. 15 more miles per hour behind that shot, like you're not, you're not going to get there. So um, yeah, that, that's an awesome point. Will it work at the next level? And if, if it does, great, keep doing it. And if not, then, hey, let's, let's continue to get better. Yeah, you know, I always say like to my goalies, like I'm not coaching you for where you're at. I'm coaching you for where you're going. Because by the time that we figure out how to coach you for where you're at, you're already moving on to the next grade, the next level. And with each year, let's be real, the, the speed of the field players increases much faster than a lot of the times our goalie skills can increase, right? So the yeah. game is is increasing at such a rapid speed. So, you know, you, you have to coach for what's coming, not for what is currently there, at least that's kind of like my mentality. And I think that that helps get them ready for those higher levels to say like, Hey, this isn't going to cut it there. So we're not going to worry about, you know, now we're going to, we're going to fix it. So that way you can work on it now. So when you get there, you're already going to be set and ready to succeed. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, all of the rule changes and equipment changes are not benefiting us goalies. Like no. <laughs> they're benefiting sure more goals. Opposite. I think they make though, they go, is this going to make the goalies job harder? And if the answer is yes, they're like, let's make it a rule. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Bring back the dive, like offset heads, all of this, all of these rules that allow people to shoot way faster and score with ease. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, 
Awesome. So then um, you were telling me that you end up leaving Temple to to work, to to be a firefighter. Is that how, how did that end end up playing out? Oh, that was like, a, yeah, so it was hard coming into Temple. I was coming off an ACL tear. So I was already I was still rehabbing when I got to Temple. And when I got there between trying to balance school and a D1 program that again, without recruiting support, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. All I knew is I wanted to play D1. I was very proud of myself for getting there, but um, I had been a volunteer firefighter since I was 16. And my life has kind of always circulated between those two things, firefighting and lacrosse. So I kind of had a bank away from firefighting a little when I tore my ACL playing lacrosse. And I kind of just focused on rehabbing and getting to temple and, and playing there. And then I decided, you know, that the experience wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. And I was having some tough issues post-surgery with my knee. Um, you know, those things aren't always the same as they were before. So then I kind of found myself drifting back into firefighting and I left Temple to go down to Northern Virginia and join Fairfax County Fire Department, where I was a career firefighter for 10 years. And it was kind of funny, though, because um, I started coaching while I was in the fire department down there. And I that was something I always really wanted to do. But then yet somehow here we are again, transitioning from that back into the lacrosse world. And my life is just coming full circle again. But I loved firefighting. It's in my blood. It's my family. I was, like I said, raised up in a firehouse. Uh, it's a huge passion of mine. And uh, it was a really, it's a really great experience for me. Yeah. Are there any skills that you learned as a lacrosse goalie that you, that helped you as a firefighter? Hmm. Or maybe the other way, it could be the other way around too. Just skills you learned as a firefighter that helped you as a, as a lacrosse goalie. Just a general uh, lack of fear is <laughs> yeah. obviously a good thing. I think that both of them are really, for me being 5'2", I think just being like tough and tenacious and resilient is important because you know, being in the fire department as a five to 125 pound female, you know, that job is not easy at that stature. And, you know, I think you really have to, the work ethic you need to really succeed in those environments is really similar to the kind of work ethic you need in the athletic world to succeed at the highest levels, right? You're putting in a lot of extra time and a lot of extra hours and you're going through a lot of challenges and you have to overcome a lot of challenges and you have to figure out how do I make this work for me at my stature and my size? And, you know, it's very similar from the fire department to goalkeeping uh, the same way. So I definitely think there's a lot of overlap there with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I imagine too. I mean, I've, I've never spent any time in a firehouse, but I, in my mind, like it's very much like a team, like a lacrosse team as well. Right. Is that, I mean, I imagine there's elements of teamwork that you, that you learn there or that you brought that, that translate in between both areas. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you're living with people for 24 hours at a time, multiple times a month, <laughs> it becomes yeah. that team family dynamic. You know, sometimes you love each other, sometimes you hate each other, but at the end of the day, you know, when it's time to hit the field for lacrosse or when it's time for that, you know, the tones to drop and you hit the rig to go out on a call at the end of the day, like you're all there supporting the same cause and you have to have each other's backs and you have to work hard for each other. Uh, so again, a lot of similarities there. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Who do you, um, you know, who, who's your goalie? Uh, who do you look up to in, in the goalie world right now? Who have kind of you learned from? Who do you really like watching? Um, 
You know, when we were talking about this a little bit before, I really enjoy uh, Liz Hogan. Um, I haven't gotten to watch her play too much. I have, I have some little, I have little kids still. So my life between motherhood and lacrosse is a whirlwind <laughs> of chaos. But like I said, I, I've done some of her clinics, her virtual clinics during COVID. I love her energy and her passion. I love her style of play that she's, um, you know, teaching the girls that she's coaching and stuff like that. So I think she's probably one of the the people that I really enjoy like looking up to. Uh, Lindsay Munoz is amazing as well and stuff. I've gotten to know her uh, more recently and stuff like that. And I love, you know, why she's doing all the things that she's doing. Uh, Rachel Valarelli, same thing, like just such a great, like really strong female role models, great in their sport and their position, grinding it out, working hard. And then turning that into like giving it back to other goalies to like change the environment, to make it better for them than it was for all of us. So I think those are some like really great role models right there. I agree. I agree. Those, those are awesome. Um, I've had all three of those ladies on the, on the podcast and they're just a pleasure to speak with. And I can totally vouch for what you said. Like they love the game and they love giving back and, and um, you could really sense it's uh, true and coming from a, from a, you know, from a, um, place of passion. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, and then, so when did you start getting into coaching, uh, goalies? So my earliest coaching experience was when I was a freshman in high school, I, um, you know, aged out of my youth program and I would go back and throughout my high school time, I would go back and coach the goalies in my youth program. And that was like an interesting experience being so young and trying to work with goalies. But my real beginning to like the like my adult coaching journey started um, probably in my like early 20s, like I had left Temple, got into the fire department. And shortly after that, I had gotten a job coaching at a high school and coached high school lacrosse. I'm going on my 11th year coaching at high school. Nice. Um, and then from there, it just kind of started, you know, rolled like a snowballing. I started coaching travel and working with rec programs. I started my own training academy. You know, when I was coaching the high school level, I started recognizing that, you know, my experience of not having any training and stuff, I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any other goalies when I played. So I just thought that that was just my experience. And when I started coaching in my early twenties and getting into the high school environment, I started recognizing that this was a very common story for a lot of goalies. And that even at some of the highest levels, my high school team at the time we started out, we weren't very competitive when I first got there, but through my time there, we actually got to go to two state semifinals and a state championship. And, you know, we started going to a lot of regional championships. And I started noticing that even on those teams that they had like really incredible players, their goalies were still really lacking a lot of the foundational skills that you would expect them to have at those levels. And I started coaching more um, outside of my high school and talking to a lot of goalies and a lot of parents and really started seeing this trend that the stories were, you know, everyone's journey was different, but the story was always the same. Only the faces would kind of change and that, you know, there was still a really big lack of opportunity and support for female lacrosse goalies. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of dug me deeper and deeper into this coaching world that I'm now <laughs> full, full blown into. Well, that's awesome. And so is that, is your Academy lady lacks goalies or is that just kind of a different, the, the Instagram? Um, nope, that is the name. That of is the Academy. Academy. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that um, it's interesting because in addition to like goalie being a unique specialty position, which you have on the men's side, you have this whole other element 
for women in that, like, they're the only ones wearing pads. Like, you know, on the men's side, like everyone's got helmet, everyone's got gloves, everyone's wearing protection to some extent. So like, you look like other people on the women's side, like you don't. So you have this whole other element. I'm curious, did you, um, is that something you felt or not, not for you so much? Um, I don't think that the gear made me feel different, although that is a really good point that like you not only are in a different position, but you blatantly look like you are in a different position, right? You don't look like the rest of your teammates because you I are learned very- that I learned that from Lindsay Munoz, by the way. That's not, not that's not my original idea. She told me that. <laughs> well, I like it. You know, my son, when he was four, he saw his first boys lacrosse team walk by and he thought they were all goalies. It was really endearing because he's only grown up around around women's lacrosse. And he goes, Mama, look at all the goalies. I'm like, no, no, baby, they're just boys players, you know. So, <laughs> you know, but there is this dynamic of of looking different and being different as a goalie. For me, I don't think it was the gear as much as the lack of attention, you know, and that feeling of isolation that, you know, comes with the fact that like a lot of coaches don't understand your position and they don't know how to connect with you in regards to that. And they don't know what you need or what you want. And, you know, it it feels very, it becomes very isolating um, to see like the field players kind of having everything for themselves. And then you're just kind of over here feeling separate and different and, you know, not really getting the resources that you need. I feel like for me, that was bigger than just wearing the gear in general was Mm. just that general feeling of just being put to the side and saying, okay, well, we really need you and we need you to be really good, but we're, but we're not going to be able to help you figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. How do someone wrote me that wrote me that exact question a while back, you know, they were feeling like they'd go to practice and they don't like this element of like, Oh, the goalies are over here doing the goalie stuff. And to me, that was, it was interesting. It was, it was a new idea for me. Cause like, I love doing goalie drills. You know what I mean? Like to me, I really enjoyed like that specialty goalie work. So that was kind of my message back to them was that like, look, that's our time, right? Yeah. It might feel like you're on goalie Island, but guess what? we get better on goalie Island. And as long as you have like a, um, a plan um, to deal with that, any other advice you would give to someone who feels like, Oh, I'm not a part of the team. Cause I always have to go over here and do these different things. I'm really big at like self advocating, like, and really building relationships with your coaches to kind of get a mixture of what you need. Cause I do feel like I've seen goalies that they all they want is cage time, shooting time, live drill time, but they maybe don't see the value in what you're calling goalie Island, which I love, right. There is a lot of value that comes from goalie Island, but I think that it's good to have a balance. And I think that some of that has to do with age. I think doing more goalie Island stuff is great if that's the majority at the youth level where they really don't know what they're doing yet and putting them in live drills you know they barely even know how to hold their stick as you move to middle school I think you need a really good balance between the two to start getting used to like the speed changes and everything but by high school I think it's really great to want to be in like all the live team drills but you have to recognize the value of having goalie island time it's something that a lot of goalies don't get any of and that is like you said our time to really hone in on our skills and our technique so that way when we do go back to team drill we can be better versions of ourselves so i think that it's just important to know that you should find you need to find a balance for yourself as a goalie 
um, mm -hmm. to be able to maximize growth in both areas. Um, but I do think it's good for coaches to realize that goalies need both as well. Sometimes I think maybe you're getting too much cage time and not enough goalie island, or maybe they're just like, okay, we'll just go over here and do your goalie stuff. And you want to feel like you're more part of the team. But again, I think that comes down to really building good relationships with your coaches to say, Hey, I'm feeling like, you know, I really want to do some more team drills, whether that's ground balls or dodges or things that mm -hmm. are working your out of cage skills and stuff. Um, you know, building those relationships to communicate with your coach, what your needs are, I think is important because at the end of the day, most coaches want to help. They just really don't know how. So it's really up to us to communicate our needs and our wishes to them and try to work with them to get what we need to maximize our growth. Great point. Yeah. I love those points. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches. I mean, they want what's best for the team. And like the fact that you're not getting goalie specific training is probably not because they're just saying like, man, I've got all these great drills that I know how to do with this goalie. I'm just not going to do it. Like it's, that's not the reason like they don't know. And so if you take like, Hey, here's some drills I found, you know, on my site or lady lacks goalies, or here's some drills I found, you know, wherever, like, I'd like to, you know, incorporate these into, into the practice if we have time. I mean, I don't know what coach would not be willing, not be willing to do that. And the other thing you said there too, is, um, you know, as goalies, we got to work hard. And sometimes like, maybe that means, you know, showing up 15 minutes early to practice and doing your warm up then. So I can participate in the line drills. So yeah, I don't, I don't, so I'm with the team if that's what you need. So I, I love those points you made. Yeah. And that's a great example of how, I mean, maybe it doesn't seem fair to you, but like at the end of the day, you can't fit everything in one day. Right. So mm -hmm. if you really want to get more involved in team drills, that is a really great way to get what you need to warm up as a goalie and then still be doing more team oriented drills. And sometimes again, if you really dedicate and you want to grow, you're going to put those, you're going to find ways to put that extra time in at the end of the day. Yep. When you're coaching girls, what are some of the drills that, uh, that you like to do? So I'm like, <laughs> everybody laughs at this drill. I'm obsessed with this one drill. I just call it the ball drill. I did it every day when I was a goalie. And if I didn't get it on game days, I had like a mental meltdown <laughs> over it. Cause it was like the one drill. I was like, if I don't get it, I'm going to just completely fall apart in the cage. Um, I love this one drill. I stand about a foot away from, you know, maybe a foot and a half away from my goalies and they have their helmets on and I have a ball and I take it and I put my hand about, you know, 10 to 12 inches away from their face mask. And I just like throw the ball at their helmet, not super hard, but just enough that it kind of rebounds. And their job is they keep their hands down kind of at their chest or stomach level, depending on their skill level and age. And their job is to catch the ball off the rebound and stuff. And I love it because it works on tracking and coordination and hand speed. And what I like to call seeing through the blink, you know, we're going to blink, right? Balls are going to come out our face. You're going to blink, but there's a difference between blinking and flinching. So I feel like this drill really helps get you from flinch to blink. So you can keep your eye on the ball longer so you can track the ball better. So this drill is like one of my favorites. My goalies always like laugh because they're like, oh, they're, I'm throwing balls at their head. But, you know, it's one of those drills that you actually can get better at really quickly. So the first time or two, maybe you're not getting your hand on a lot of the balls, but by like three, four, five times. And you're only doing it for about two minutes at a time. It's a really fast drill. You can do it anytime. You know, you're starting to get your hand on the balls and by maybe like, you know, a couple times in, like you're finally starting to catch some. 
And you can see how excited the girls get when they start to like get their hands on these balls and start catching them and stuff like that. And it's a really fun progress because again, it, it you progress through it a little quicker than some of the other normal goalie drills that take a little bit more time. So that's definitely one of my favorites. And one of my goalie favorites is my tennis ball toss that I, I had posted it recently on Instagram and got a lot of likes. It's definitely the drill that my goalies ask for the most. You just kind of position yourselves in kneeling positions across from each other. You can kind of vary the distance between by being further away, you make it a little easier by being closer, you make it harder. And I just get a whole pile of tennis balls and I just one after the other, bang, 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 bang. And they have to just kind of block them with their hands. Uh, you can also do like, um, I have a field stick head that's not attached to a shaft that I'll make them hold. Sometimes they can use it if we want to practice like really exploding with their top hand. But uh, normally I just do it with their hands and it just works on again, tracking and like hand speed. And it's a, a really, really fun drill. All of my girls love doing it. And it's a nice way to break up some of the technical monotony that comes along with the goalkeeping position. Awesome. Sometimes. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'll check out, I'll check out. I think I know what drill you're talking about, but if anyone uh, wants to check it out, it's just Lady Lacks Goalies on Instagram. Yeah, is the handle. Yep, just yeah, at Lady Lacks Cool. cool. Um, and you also did a uh, virtual summit inviting uh, eight or nine uh, young ladies to come speak. Um, how was that? And kind of what were some of the highlights of that, uh, of that event? Yeah, you know, it was a really amazing um, to get a group of women together, almost exclusively goalie coaches. But we had, um, again, like Rachel Valarelli and Lindsay Munoz, who had to um, back out politely at the end because of the dead period rule change. Um, mm -hmm. Nicole Morris down from Sportside in Texas, Maggie Lurch from Bamalji in Ohio. Uh, this amazing group of women goalies and goalie coaches coming together. We also had... Um, three non-goalie coaches that presented on topics that we had goalies sit in and moderate for to make sure that everything was being specifically catered to like the female goalie population. It was exciting. We really tried to pick unique topics that were engaging that are maybe not generally covered um, in traditional settings. And, you know, a lot of people like to cover skills and drills. And while we see a lot of value in that, and we did cover some skills and drills topics, we really wanted to engage on a more, uh, on some like deeper topics that were more empowerment topics and, uh, like game enhancement topics. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really great experience, uh, for, for our group, again, we, we named ourselves Uncaged, a girl goalie initiative, and we're just so passionate, all of us, about bringing more resources to female lacrosse goalies. And we've got such great results. A lot of the girls really felt like we reached them, not just like on an emotional level and that we really connected and that we could really understand you know, what it's like to be a goalie, because obviously it goes so far beyond like our physical demands and it really hits and takes such a mental and emotional toll to be a goalie, whether you're a, a male or female goalie, but um, really getting to, to connect and hit on those levels was uh, really impactful for a lot of the girls that participated in it. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, I didn't get to attend because it ended up overlapping with mine. So we gotta, we gotta, in the future, we gotta, we gotta plan this a little better. <laughs> Uh, but I can totally sympathize with what you said there about, you know, just this, 
goalies like we're a, we're a unique breed of human and like you don't get a lot of opportunities to just hang out with hundreds of other goalies and i think like even more like yeah you get to learn from these great pros rachel valarelli lindsey munoz and and all of these other goalies like that is awesome in itself but then just this idea of like coming together and hanging out with all these other goalies is really really powerful so uh, congratulations on on doing that and i hope there's going to be another one oh there definitely is all you right know. this time let's let's communicate so we don't overlap <laughs> so we can both we can both attend it's Im- important to build that sense of community within goalies though because like you said we are kind of our own breed and i think that you know you can't really truly understand what it's like if you haven't been there yourself i mean so building a community of goalies where you can have shared experiences and talk it's really a powerful thing to be able to do that and to realize that you're not alone on this journey you're not the only one that is having these challenges and these struggles and you're not the only one feeling isolated or however you're feeling so mm-hmm. being able to like bind people together under this like common position uh is really a powerful thing yeah yeah talking about feelings is well as a man that's not something i i enjoy doing all that much but even as like a goalie like you know we had a, one of the presenters at my summit was Justin Goldman and he's a, he's actually an ice hockey goalie. And he talked about uh, mental health and how a lot of goalies, like you say, Hey, let's, let's be even keel, right? Let's not get too high or let's not get too low. And that's like a mental strategy. I've heard a lot of pro goalies repeat. And basically what he says is like, listen, that's not reality. Like if you're going to feel low, you start feeling low and you like teach yourself just to suppress that then all of a sudden, like you have these mental health issues. Cause every time like you feel bad, like, you know, you just, you just absorb it. And so his, his idea was, Hey, let's get that out there. Let's have these conversations and talk with other goalies. And I think, you know, what, what you're, what you're doing by like bringing all these goalies together is giving people outlets to do that. And so that's awesome. It's really awesome stuff. Well, when you talk about it, you can impact change, right? Because change comes after people start talking about the challenges. So these challenges that we face of, you know, not having the same opportunities and resources as field players, like these are issues that obviously have been going on since I've played, you know, we sh- we don't want to have these same challenges in another 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start talking about them and bringing them into more light, so people realize that everybody is going through this, and we don't talk about how do we fix that, then we do perpetuate this cycle for all of the goalies to come after us instead of, you know, being able to talk, get it out, talk about solutions and how we can change the sport of lacrosse for goalies becoming more pro goalie instead of it being an afterthought, you know, that's how you impact real change moving forward. So that way the goalies coming behind us have a better experience. They have, they're more equipped to reach their goals and their dreams and have a more successful journey and experience than some of us may have had. Yeah. Well, that's why we're here talking. That is why we're here talking. I love it. Um, what's next for Lady Lax goalies? What are, what are some of your goals with, with your academy and, and um, where, where do you see it going? Yeah, I want to change the world, the lacrosse world. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Lady Lax goalies, the whole preface is that like it's mobile. So my future goals, once COVID kind of gets out of the ways, uh, I really 
want to bring more resources and education and training all over the country. You know, the front half of my program is obviously training goalies, right? That's what we do. Mm -hmm. But on the back end, there's a huge portion of my program that delves into training and educating coaches and programs on how to support and handle their own goalies. Because at the end of the day, we both know, Damon, like there's never going to be enough goalie coaches. There's, you know, per team, you get one or two out of 24 or so players, you know, or whatever. There's never going to be enough goalie coaches at the end of the day. So we need to empower the people that are going to see goalies day in and day out, you know, that maybe don't understand the position, we need to empower them with the education and the training and the knowledge that they need to support these goalies on a day in day out basis. We can't keep relying on goalies just going to clinics and camps every once in a while, or especially for the ones that can't afford that the accessibility issue alone is a problem. So through my program, I really have a strong passion to want to go out to different areas across the country and bring them the training and resources they need that way when I'm done and I leave and I'm done running clinics that weekend, that they're not just like, okay, that's it. They, they have things that they can implement and use as they move forward so that their goalies are in a better position to be supported and moving forward. And then on top of that, I have a really big passion to want to bring more female lacrosse goalies back to coach. So I'm developing a program right now that will help girls transition from playing to coaching to kind of, you know, we all go through that, that journey on our own, but I think that it's great if we can speed it up and have some mentorship so we can get more quality women out there coaching goalies, you know, and be the coach that you wish that you had. So that empowerment and education part, you know, my motto is train, educate, empower. That education and empowerment part is a really big piece of what I want to do moving forward. Again, I love training goalies. It's a huge part of what we do, but that other part uh, is how you continue to train more goalies than you can personally reach out to, right? I can only, you know, touch and handle so many people throughout my lifetime, but if I can get other people, you know, where they need to be to do the same thing, then we can reach, you know, much greater audiences and have support in way more areas than we have right now. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, the website ladylaxgoalies.com if people want to learn more about that. And um, same handle for the Instagram, Lady Lax Goalies. Uh, are you anywhere else that we need to know about? Or is those, those are two, I, those are two yeah, areas? Yeah, I'm working on it. So the yeah. website was exciting. I knew we launched it in March. It was, it took a year to get it out between motherhood and COVID and, and lacrosse, but that's up and running on, on Twitter and Instagram. I just launched my social media more recently in February, trying to keep up with that. Like I said, uh, it's a chaos with motherhood involved too, but really trying to branch out on those and hopefully more stuff to come down the road though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lauren, um, if you could leave the goalies out there with one last piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, just always know your why. I think that it's really important to remember why you love it so much. It's so easy to get pulled into the monotony of, you know, the grind and to be kind of overwhelmed and overtaken by the responsibility that's thrust upon us in the cage. And I think at the end of the day, like write that why down as early as you can and put it somewhere where you can remember why you loved it so much in the beginning, because, you know, you want to stick to keeping it that way. You never want to lose the love of, of the game. So definitely remembering that is probably the most important thing. So important. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Damon.
So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Lauren Safori from Lady Lax Goalies. Awesome, awesome stuff. I love the energy and the passion that she brings to this position in general, not just with coaching female goalies, but a lot of what she said, you know, very applicable uh, to us male goalies as well. So we wish Lauren nothing but the best. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Hope you learned a thing or two. That is the goal of this podcast, of these long interviews, to pull out something, one, two, maybe three things that you can incorporate into your own game. So what was that for you with this episode? Let me know if you can, all right? We are right in the middle of lacrosse season. I'm loving it. I hope you're loving it as well. If your season's just getting going, congratulations. You got a lot of lacrosse in front of you. But if it's not, get out there, get some work in, do well, and be well. I'm Coach Damon. Take care. You've been listening to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast with your host, Coach Damon Wilson.